the Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Welcome back. You are at the Cesar Chavez event today. And this event is sponsored by Taros Health in Arizona State University. And right now, I have the honor to speak with Dr. Francisco Moreno. And he is with University of Arizona. So he's on the ASU campus, but part of the University of Arizona regime. So thank you so much for enjoy- joining us today, doctor. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, Kathy. You bet. You bet. Now, you're fresh off the stage. You had a really huge topic to speak about trauma-informed care. So would you share with our listeners a little bit about what does trauma-informed care mean? Would you unpackage that a little bit for us? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Trauma-informed care is an approach to interacting with individuals in which you take into account the possibility that they may have experienced trauma and uh, look for elements of the conversation that you may need to address um, and uh, also have an opportunity to explore different psychological issues or psychiatric conditions that may be related to trauma in different ways and most importantly it gives you a guideline as to how to interact with folks that will really empower them that will facilitate a collaborative and accepting uh, approach and um, uh, will be safe and avoid re-traumatization. Okay, so let's just suspend this a little bit and say, what if we don't have this education aspect of trauma-informed care? What happens? What are the, the pitfalls along the way of behavioral health if we don't have this educational piece? Yeah, that's an excellent question. One of the first things that happens is uh, if we're not able to detect trauma, we're not able to address trauma. And not addressing trauma leads not only in behavioral health, but also in general health to a lot more disability, worse outcomes for physical health, for risk factors and behaviors, and also in behavioral health for uh, higher, uh, less likelihood of improvement and more likely complications from addictions, mental health diagnosis, or just uh, long-term reactions to stress. It's very important to make sure that we recognize it, that we look for it. Uh, People do not always come and just tell you about trauma off the bat. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people don't even know what trauma is. Uh, they yeah. think of big life trauma, a, a gunshot wound, a mm-hmm. knife, um, or a violent act, but there are other aspects. There's a wide spectrum of trauma. Would you share with us what some of those um, non-mainstream trauma aspects are? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's different ways of defining trauma, and so uh, trauma could be understood as a series of events, not only one event, um, or set of circumstances that an individual lives through. And that could be sometimes not only uh, the traditional perceptions of physical or sexual trauma, but it could include a lot of psychological trauma, what people sometimes call mental abuse. It could be cultural trauma also that could be racially based or it could be based in uh, membership to another identity group like the LGBTQ community, the immigrant community, Mm -hmm. uh, and a number of other um, groups that are 
often minoritized in our community. Sure, sure. So what is your integration in the work that you do with Taros Health? You're here today for the event. As a speaker, do you integrate and tap into some of the services? They're now down in Tucson uh, as um, a behavioral health organization. Do you integrate with Taros at all? No, we're not uh, collaborating with Taros, uh, but we do collaborate with a, a series of uh, behavioral health providers in the state of which Terrace is also part of. And we also collaborate closely with uh, Arizona State University uh, in the promotion of uh, the right kind of treatments for behavioral health in our state. And uh, in my service at the University of Arizona, um, part of my role is to promote cultural proficiency among individuals and organizations that provide behavioral health services. So it is my pleasure to be here and contribute to support uh, cultural competence in the trauma-informed conversation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, in Arizona is a state of diversity, many, many different yes. cultures, many languages spoken, mm -hmm. um, a lot of immigrants. What do you see on the forefront of need for 2019, 2020? Where can the biggest differences be made in your area of work? Well, um, I think starting by recognizing what you just mentioned, that we live in a very diverse community here in the state. Uh, I think people are really recognizing that we must have staff and programs that are designed and that are trained to address the needs of our community. We are needing to empower the community to be informed by the community and to be guided by the outcomes that the community needs and wants. Mm -hmm. And so if we are to address the needs of the community, we need to understand the culture of the community. We need to understand the mechanisms that uh, may facilitate risk, but also resilience. And how do we maximize all the healing opportunities that the communities themselves would have? And that varies from place to place, making sure that we have a workforce that is culturally congruent, linguistically congruent, and if it is not, that it is trained to be able to recognize the need for adequate forms of communication and things of that nature. Right, right. Now share with us a little bit about your background. Um, you're a medical doctor. Yes. And how did it evolve where you were on this platform of trauma-informed care? What was the genesis for your path? So I am a psychiatrist, and so I have been in uh, providing behavioral health services since uh, before I even started with my uh, specialty training. And uh, uh, I'm Mexican, and I'm a bicultural and bilingual provider, and so I have had a lived experience of helping address the needs of a disadvantaged community. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's something that we have needed to do intentionally because um, we just do not have enough workforce, programming, and resources available to address the needs of that community. So it became something very important for me uh, that in some ways took more of my time and energy than other initial priorities in my research career. And so I have become now within the University of Arizona um, more of a person who does not only clinical service for this community, but I'm an advocate and I'm an administrator that supports programs to advance the uh, diversity in the composition of the workforce 
to advance the training and cultural uh, proficiency of the individuals that train under our programs at the University of Arizona and in the larger community of the state as well. Mm -hmm. So it's been uh, a lot of fun to have a job that I really care about and that really fits the values that I um, you know, that excite me and get me up and ready to work in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It shows through with your passion when we were chatting a little bit earlier before we went live. You talked about the importance of making sure that if you've had um, trauma in your life, that working with someone who's not experienced trauma it, it, the educational piece is so important uh, because you've walked in the shoes of what many people, right, um, in terms of um, coming from one country and then, then moving here. You've had that experience. You haven't had every experience of trauma, but um, how does that play into the workforce educational movement that you get to, you get to be a part of? Yes, um, I think um, the most important thing to recognize is that um, we, you know, it's very important to include individuals that are representatives of these communities, um, and not only based on their identification, but also, you know, for example, if you are a trauma-informed uh, place, to make sure that you also have individuals that are trauma-informed. But most importantly, the majority of the people that are currently available to serve these communities are not always members of those communities. And so, uh, but I will tell you, people that make the choice of working with these communities are people that are already caring mm -hmm. and that they value the importance of um, addressing the needs of that community and that's what you need to get started recognizing the need and valuing that diversity the inclusion and the need for cultural competence is the first step to prepare the right workforce uh, to be there and so what we can do is take it from there and educate them about uh, recognizing their own perceptions about recognizing how we can be successful in communicating and serving across differences and uh, to be uh, very proficient at being able to serve the needs of individuals by learning how those individuals want to be served. You know, we, we've had this traditional golden rule of do unto others as you want to do unto you. Right. But when you're working across differences, what may be the way they want to be treated may be different to the way you want to be treated. And so that becomes a fundamental piece to make sure that we work with individuals and not stereotyping a large community, but we, know, we work with that person. How can we serve you as a person? Right, right. And you're getting into the fundamental piece, really the foundational piece of um, the leadership training work that Clemmer and Associates does. That's the company I'm associated with. And we talk about the mindset, the sunglasses that are developed from the moment we're born. And we start having those um, mindsets guide us in life around a color of a skin or the size of your wallet and you're educated, you're not educated and all of those elements and just greater awareness of that and what your mindset, your belief systems and how those are running you. Mm -hmm. uh, I am delighted to hear that you can go in and educate and do that cross-culturally uh, yes. for community harmony. And that's really what we're talking about here is harmony within a community. Yeah, I think uh, the harmony becomes really, really important. 
and uh, you know, to follow on your point about those those glasses mm -hmm. um, we are raised many times regardless of what your final job might be you know we're speaking in the context of a behavioral health uh, provider community here at this conference um, but you know as you grow up you often hear that you want to have a nice job that you want to have a big wallet uh, or that you want to have uh, sobriety in your life mm -hmm. or that you value health and prosperity and whatnot and we're dedicating our service to individuals that may not have the thickest wallet who may not be enjoying health who may not be enjoying sobriety who may have been part of a life and a set of circumstances that was actually very lacking and in many cases very destructive mm -hmm. and uh, we when we grow with those goggles we tend to value and devalue certain things based on where they fall mm -hmm. and so the challenge of cultural competence becomes to recognize what we have valued for a long time and how to shift mm -hmm. where we are placing uh, the attribution of what's good and what's bad mm -hmm. to be accepting and to work towards a common goal. Mm -hmm. I love that. We use an analogy in our workshop actually of sunglasses. Mm -hmm. And um, we say it's as if you're, you're wearing a beautiful crisp white shirt today, but if I had a set of sunglasses and I was born with a set of green filtered sunglasses, I'd look at your shirt and compliment you on your green shirt, right? And you might say to me, well, Kathy, no, my, my shirt's not green, it's white. But until I take those glasses off, those lenses off, I will always see your shirt is green. Yes. I have to want to discover them. You can't tell me about my glasses. I have to discover those glasses myself. But once I discover and I pop those green colored sunglasses off and see your white shirt, then I can be aligned with your cultural values and understand where you're coming from. I'm not giving anything up. I'm gaining with you. Yes. Right? That's a very nice way to put it. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Well, I have the distinct honor to um, talk to you today. It certainly has been a pleasure. I'm very fond of the University of Arizona. My son graduated in 2016. So um, big Wildcat fan, uh, <laughs> no doubt about it. But thank you so much for sharing with us today on what trauma-informed care is and blessing the audience today because I know they will be able to take this wisdom home with them and take it to their community. Thank you. Many thanks, Kathy. I really enjoyed our conversation. My pleasure.